0: Greetings for Ex Libris On Air. This is J. Douglas Barker. The book is titled Abrupt. Author Linda Lipscomb-Jurgensen joins me from Idaho today. Welcome to the program, Linda.
1: Thank you for ha uh wanting to the interview.
0: Well, this is, this is an important book, at least from a fiction standpoint. It's important to you, especially because it's your first novel. But uh, you live in a rural setting, and an incident occurred to you and your family that was part of the inspiration behind this story. Share with my listeners how this book got to be written.
1: Well, it, actually, I was over in the state of Washington on the west side, and a developer had not put in our water system very well for about... 30 of us, and then one day we woke up and went off to work, came back, and there was no water, and of course I had three horses, a couple of goats, and, and I was teaching all day. It's dark, it's in November, and I was just scrambling to get water, and nobody knew it was going to be shut off or anything, so we ended up having the water out for almost six to seven days. And when you have big animals, you know, it's not like you go down to the grocery store and buy a couple of bottles of water.
0: Wow, that's true.
1: And so we had to find a way to haul water for the horses and all of that. And it got me to thinking, gee, you know, who who owns our water system? Where do you get your water? And so over the years as I was teaching school, I would talk about to my kids, which I taught junior high, about how important it is to be aware of where your water comes from, how safe is it, who owns it. And then some kids all said, water's free. No, it's not actually free. No. So that kind of inspired my book, because then when I moved over on this side, I got into Kootenai Alliance, which is Kootenai County in the um, panhandle of Idaho. And um, they have a whole bunch of environmental issues. And, of course, mine was water. Mm. And so I started, you know, putting my nose into that and, we have a huge aquifer here, like the Al- Lala Aquifer, and a lot of people have been moving up in this area because it is beautiful. We do have absolutely gorgeous crystal-clear lakes that you can see down 20 to 30, uh, 30, 30 feet. And anyway, they were concerned about, will we have enough water. And so mm-hmm. that's what I got to thinking. You know what? Young people should really get involved and find out. As, you know like everyone knows how much gas is and and my kids always had kind of an idea about you know gas where we get it and all that and the issue now is water in fact, we just um, had a whole uh, series of water rights being brought up on who owns our water here, and of course we have a well, and thank goodness my husband had already got um, rights to our well our water rights
0: scary. Yes, yeah, I, it, it is. Yeah, it, because they could the walk California. in and take it away. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, what's happening down there? And then you hear about in Minnesota. I think it's Minnesota. I'd have to go back and look, but it's in the Midwest there, where um, one for bottled water. They're just coming in and hauling out their water, and their lake is dropping.
0: Really? Well, share the share the story title abrupt and who okay, your main character is. is.
1: Okay, yeah, Uh, abrupt is, it just happens abruptly. I mean, even though everything seems like it's slow, one day you wake up and you're just like, whoa, we're in a drought or or whatever. Well, this one was, I used the premise that there was an earthquake down um, in California that disrupted all the people down there, water and everything. And as much as they were fighting to survive, um, they started coming up here. A bunch of people knew about our lakes in fact Ponderay is one of the deepest lakes um in the united states it ha- we have a submarine uh station here you do uh, well. in fact a self submarine was built right here and we got to see it it's really something but it's that deep to have submarines here incredible uh, so it's real, you know so everyone started thinking about oh we'll come up here and get water they started pushing people out of their homes and um, it was starting into a water war, and then Darcy, this is my story, is Darcy and her uh, uh, uncle couldn't stay here because they had a big alpaca ranch, and so they decided to try to go to their other ranch that they had up in Montana on the Canadian border, and the whole time they're fighting for water. It's also a story that I know seventh and eighth graders, it's kind of a love story involved in that, and... I kind of took the idea, like with The Giver, is we used to read that in my eighth grade class, and it was talking about everybody being the same, what if all your jobs were the same, and it was a good story, and then we got to talk about that particular issue. So what I was trying to do is write a real fun, interesting story, because a grizzly bear um, uh, kills her uncle, her boyfriend that she she hated because he stood her up um, becomes her companion to try to find water.
0: And now, in this story, do these characters, would you say this book is a good read for a younger younger audience, or is this uh, yeah, something that will appeal to a broader it, range?
1: Yeah. You're right. It is. for. Um, I, I wrote it for young adults. Um, however, I've had a lot of older people read it, too, and they they always say to me when they give me back my book or or tell me how they liked it was the fact that I don't let the water run anymore. <laughs> it was a really good story, and then they all say you need to write a sequel to it. And um, what happens to Darcy and Eric? Do they make it? And all of that.
0: Now, did you um, did you write an outline when you began this book, or was this something that the inspiration just hit you one day, and you decided you were going to be an author and uh, and pen this book?
1: Probably, I, I had the ideas, but I, I just think that it was an inspiration. I just feel that water is a coming issue, and I think. Um, for lack of a better word, the angels just took me up, and, and I took off
0: with the story. Took off with the story. Now, is there one scene in here that my readers are going to gravitate toward, and maybe there might be a producer out there that listens to this program that will say, uh, that sounds interesting, maybe I should take a closer look.
1: Well, I'm always joking when I talk about it. Matt Damon, who water is his issue, I'm always thinking, I need to get this book to Matt Damon because <laughs> I think that he could make this story and and bring this to light. It's a really good story. I mean, it's fast-paced, fast-moving. It's a gutsy girl, Darcy, and all that she does, she can shoot, and she is, um, as a protagonist, she's an exciting person, though she has her um, failings, too, and what happens to her... And like I said, along the way, you can't help but think of water and where our water situation is and how did we get here and why don't people think about it. And uh, I even have a thing in there where I almost kind of wonder where all the glaciers, if you've ever been to Glacier um, National Park, yes, uh, most of the glaciers are gone now. When I was a young girl, um, we saw lots of glaciers, but they're not. I wonder if all the water actually seeped down and there's an underground aquifer under there. Um, And that kind of leaves the story, maybe that'll save us. But like I said, say in the book, you know, we're polluting our water with agricultural runoffs, chemicals, um, fracking, and all of that. And people really need to take it seriously.
0: Now, you have mentioned a very serious issue. Is there also some fun and entertainment in this book, or is there just life lessons? Yes.
1: it, it is. There's um, um, on their they're they're riding horseback through the, the mountains here, and I've been on horses all my life, so I have an understanding of riding through the woods and all that. And she she is, she doesn't want to be with um, Eric, um, this boy that stood her up at a dance, and then she finds out at the end that it really um, he really didn't stand her up, and it, it's all the funny things that happened to them. Throughout, They end up in a, in a cabin there, staying, and there's skunks in it. And, and then, like I said, then there's another part where this grizzly comes and uh, it kills her uncle. And So there's a lot of excitement through the story. Not a. I could just write the story and say, forget the water issue, and you'd enjoy the story.
0: Excellent. 160 pages, so that's, uh, that's a, a moderate read for most people. They'll enjoy that. If, uh, if you were to introduce this to somebody and, and get them curious about the book titled abrupt or the title abrupt how would you do that
1: um i would say if you would like to read a fast-paced book about a young girl living in northern idaho and and um being thrown into having to suddenly she thought her whole life was set but all of a sudden now she's having to tramp through the woods with four horses and two mules and being attacked and um, find out what happens to her, and um, she's also abducted by some unsavory men, and um, she also discovers that in her life, um, who she thought her mother was was not her mother, and she always wondered why this woman that was kind of uh, diff- uh, uh, distance distant to her, why that was so, and that's a whole... Story in itself
0: too. Whole sideline, so yeah. There's a whole
1: <laughs> bunch of different stories in this. It isn't just a one uh, one part story because she is she's a little gal that was brought up by her uncle, and her mother is always um, uh, she was her mother went off to get her uh, to become a, uh, a medical doctor, but she never comes and visits her, never is around her, and you wonder why is that so?
0: Multi layered is what it sounds like. Correct. So that has left you open to uh, to composing, writing, or designing a sequel to this one.
1: Well, everybody always says to me, "Are you going to write another book?"
0: <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations! Tell us what
1: happens because at the end, I kind of like giver is I don't I leave the end for you. Do they find water or not?
0: Fascinating concept. Uh, you've done a wonderful job. One hundred and sixty pages for a first effort—it's incredible. The the cover oh, is you. is quite nice too. It has a beautiful. Uh, photo or descriptive That's, of the mountains, and is that nearby your your current yep. residence?
1: In fact, that um, photo of the book is off of Lake Ponderay, and you're looking back up, and there's a great big, just probably maybe a, uh, half a mile from the submarine um, station.
0: Spectacular, uh, Linda. Where, where where can my listeners get a copy of your book?
1: Uh, they can go on Amazon.
0: And do you also have a website yet, or is that something that's in the future?
1: No, I haven't yet. I, that's another thing. It's, it's awful when you you work you work and then also try to write. So <laughs> I haven't had the time to do that, which I was going to. I'm off on another book right now, so.
0: Best of luck with that, listeners. You can you can find Linda's book by searching under the title "Abrupt," and your local bookseller can also locate that for you. And also under her name, Linda Lipscomb. Jurgensen, and that's spelled J U E R G E N S E N. That's the author's last name, and it's Linda spelled just in the typical way, L I N D A. So you can locate her by doing a search under her name, and this book should pop up and anything she writes in the future. Linda, thank you for joining me today and sharing your story.
1: Well, thank you for interviewing with me, and you pronounce the name absolutely the way it's supposed to be.
0: Well, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, the way it, that's the way it spells. So that's, <laughs> that's the way I pronounced it, Jurgensen. Thank you for joining me. Thank you again, and I look forward to visiting with you in the future.
1: Okay, thank you so much.
0: For Ex Libris On Air, this is J. Douglas Barker. Ex Libris returns after these short messages.
2: Get ready to live la bella vita For more on the show and your host, check out our website, LaBellaVitaCosmetico.com. This is the kind of show you can sink your teeth into. If you enjoy traveling and food and family, all with an Italian flair, then you can live La Bella Vita with your host, Dawn Catherine. Wednesday nights at midnight, 11 p.m. Central, on Toginat.com.
0: Back to Ex Libris with your host, Steve Jorgensen. Greetings for Ex Libris On Air. This is J. Douglas Barker. The book has an intriguing title. It's called or titled The Adrilac Crack on Mount Baker. And our author who joins me from Oregon is Buford E. Everett. Thank you, sir, for joining me today. It's good to be with you. This is a puzzle to me. What in the world is an Adrilac Crack? wreck and how did it get into the title of your novel
3: it is a small shallow overhang that climbers were going to use to protect themselves from a storm on mount baker and the person who found the little shelter area was adrian adrilac one of the climbers
0: and your story re- revolves, uh, assuming that uh, that follows this, this thinking or this process, your story is about climbing and mountaineering, or is, how, how would you describe your, your novel?
3: Yeah, it's about mountaineering. Uh, when they climb this mountain, they run into problems. There's some uh, crevices that they climb down into, and people do do that. Uh, they have a cave-in in, in uh, a lava cave tube under the glacier which we do have lava tubes in bend oregon one is five miles long and uh, then they have this avalanche that get caught in and one of them's hurt and he wants to save himself till they can get him to a hospital when he walks into the crack he disintegrates wow so an alien force has got him so now we go back to where they go home and they have to come up with some kind of story of what happened to him and they uh, are contacted by this alien that took the one person and it changes their whole life and things start happening they start getting more intelligent able to communicate telepathically uh, develops a teletransporter there's some uh, perfect uh, robberies Uh, there's some love affairs (laughs) there's a lot of things that happen after that
0: You've managed to pen 264 pages, which is an excellent accomplishment for anybody, but this being a science fiction novel, have you always had a curiosity or a a fascination with science fiction and uh, things of that nature?
3: Well, there's some things in there that would seem to be science fiction. Uh, For instance, I had a penmanship teacher that could write with both hands on the blackboard at the same time, Different sentences. Oh, my. So, this sounds unbelievable, but he did it over and over again. So, some of the things I'd put in there are kind of unbelievable, but they're life experiences. And so, that was part of the reason why I put some of this stuff in. There's a lot of intelligence there about left brain, right brain uh, interaction and that type of thing. Uh, there's information on how people develop telepathic uh, communication. And just a lot of things like that that I just thought, you know, why don't I just put it all together and make this a little more exciting than a mountain climbing trip.
0: Absolutely. And, now, and...
3: some people say, I don't like the ending. Uh-oh. Well, of course you don't like the ending, because the next book of the trilogy is Exvacia. Ah. So you do not know what that is about, and that happens to be the planet where this person who was taken from the cave goes. So what happens when are there? So that's what you got to wait for the next one.
0: <laughs> uh, you have some un- unforgettable characters in here. Um, Myrna, Delbert, yep. and who, who are right. the other main characters?
3: Well, Delbert's a main character, and uh, Adrian is a main character. He develops a teletransporter. He also makes a foolish mistake by going to Reno or Las Vegas to win some money with money he was loaned. And there's other things that get involved in there and cause confusion and messes up their lives.
0: Uh, Buford, how long did it take to complete this first novel? Did you always have a desire to be an author, or is this something that just came to you more recently?
3: Well, this stuff is from 30 years ago, and uh, things just pop into my head automatically. The other day I was at the uh, optometrist getting my eyes checked, and he said, how could you come up with a story? And I said, well, what about you? What's your story? I don't have any story. Yes, you do. When you look into people's eyes deep with these machines, all of a sudden you're able to read their minds Mm -hmm. and see things they've done in the past and what they're planning to do. Now, how are you going to handle that? And you start thinking about something like that. It's got all kinds of possibilities. So things just pop into my head, and I follow them up.
0: You have managed to put this together uh, over a long period of time, I guess, was the, the basic genesis of this story. But in completing it, were there challenges in, in getting everything to kind of work together?
3: Well, I really didn't have any challenges. It seemed like it flowed pretty easy. And uh, Vasia, which is the next one in the series, uh, I rode in 22 days. Incredible. And it's, and it's a little bit longer. But I had thought about it so long, it was like sitting down and writing It's a Wonderful Life. You could do that pretty easy. You've probably seen it 15 times. Absolutely. And that's when you keep thinking about something in your mind, you don't necessarily have to put it down, because you do remember the things that you were uh, putting together on a concept. So things can go pretty quick.
0: This is said in contemporary times. Would that be the the right way to describe it? Yes. So it's uh, contemporary times. And the main characters, which of the action scenes that you have included in the book, besides the one you have described, do you think is going to stand out to the reader?
3: I think getting caught in the avalanche will be the most exciting. Uh, You know, there's been some people killed just since last week. Two members of our Olympic ski team were killed in the Australian Alps in the practice facility there. So people are going every day. Last year, about this same time of the year, one of our uh, church members was a dentist, Mountain climber was going to climb in Tibet, so he went up on Mount Hood to uh, practice, and he was killed. Oh my! So these things happen every day, and there's you know just lots of situations that people you know know themselves or know someone who has been hurt.
0: Was there anyone in your past, either in education or in life, that inspired you to become a writer?
3: Uh, not necessarily. I had a brother that was competitive with me and uh, we would act out little scenes that we would make up. So he was probably the most influence, trying to show me that, you know, you can use your imagination in many different ways.
0: Were there other authors that you admire?
3: Uh, Not necessarily. Uh, You know, I, being a perfectionist, I critique things I read, just like the reviews I get. People critique my material. So, you know, I I see uh, little errors here and there, but uh, they're not something that's really that devastating to the person's writing. I just enjoy how they write. Uh, Sometimes I enjoy the negative part where they make a character so terrible that I hate him, (laughs) (laughs) and that's good writing.
0: That is good writing. How would you introduce your book to somebody in a couple of sentences or paragraphs?
3: Well, i just tell them that it was a science fiction story about climbing Mount Baker and some of the problems that the people had when they were up there and that during one period of time one of the fellows is taken by an alien power source to another uh, universe, another planet, and their lives have changed, and there's a lot of action after that happens.
0: Is there anything else that might grab their attention and might make this the focal point of a movie trailer?
3: Well, the uh, movie script would probably... uh, Spends a lot of time on uh, two of the perfect robberies and also on some of the love affairs that go on. Those things are always exciting to people.
0: Is your book something that is a general audience or is this for a specific targeted audience?
3: Well, I think males would enjoy it more. They'll get a rise out of it. Uh, (laughs) Actually, the uh, description of where the Adrelac crack is is taken from one of the main climbing routes on mountains, on the Mount Baker. So climbers would be totally familiar with that. So it would appeal to men, it would appeal to uh, mountain climbers, and if the women were smart, they would buy it for their men to read.
0: <laughs> good advice. Uh, good salesmanship <laughs> also. Uh, is your book have any similarities to others that have uh, been produced or written about in the past?
3: No, not that I know
0: of. Your story, you feel, is unique. It must be. Uh, you said that you are getting some responses or some feedback or some criticism, I would call it. H- have you gotten anything in writing about, uh, about your book?
3: Uh, yeah, I've had three reviews, uh, Blue Ink and a couple of the others.
0: And what have they said? Anything well, you want to repeat? It was pretty
3: exciting. Maybe the dialogue <laughs> could have been better. Uh, one of the problems with the dialogue is most people are just pretty boring. And uh, I don't use profanity. So mm-hmm. in some cases where they'd like to hear a guy swear and jump up and down, uh, I don't do that. So that would cause some of the problems not to be uh, as exciting as they would like to see it, and maybe not as, a, as much emotion that they would call it. But I think if you've got to prof- uh, use profanity, you're lacking somewhere.
0: I uh, happen to be one of those guys that agree with you. Your book, 264 pages. The title again is the Adrilac Crack on Mount Baker. Buford E. Everett has been my guest author. Where can my listeners get a a, a copy of your of your series?
3: Uh, it's available several places. They can go online and uh, find it uh, under the Adrilac Crack. Uh, Ex Libris has it, and so they can go there. They can get it at uh, Amazon or, you know, other bookstores online. They just go to Adelaide Crack on Mount Baker. It'll show them where they can buy it. They can buy hard copy, soft copy, and e-books.
0: Fabulous. And the correct spelling of uh, our author's name is Buford, B-E-A-U-F-O-R-D, middle initial E, last name Averett A-V-E-R-E. T-T-E, so they can also search for you online that way and uh, keep up not only with this book and where it goes, but uh, the next in the series, which I'm looking forward to talking to you about. Okay, sounds good. Pleasure talking with you today. For Ex Libris On Air, this is J. Douglas Barker. Ex Libris returns after these short messages.
2: Back to Ex Libris
0: with your host, Steve Jorgensen. Greetings for Ex Libris on Air. This is J. Douglas Barker. Our book today is titled The Perfect Raisin and Pretzel Cousins Club. And our author, who joins me from Colorado, is Catherine Sistrunk Tobin. Welcome to the program, Catherine. Thank you. This is obviously from the title, maybe not so obvious, but from the book that I'm looking at, directed towards a younger audience. Where did the title come from, and how did you get the inspiration to write this?
4: Uh, I have always wanted to write a children's book, um, but just never had an inspiration, and actually, uh, one sleepless night in Iceland, after eating a bag of chocolate-covered raisins for dessert, and then Mm. not being able to sleep, a story just formulated in my mind about a a club, and it involved my grandchildren, who are um, from a bunch of mixed families, and so I thought uh, something along the lines of a, a club, but had the children portrayed as chocolate covered raisins and pretzels. It was kind ah, of a crazy idea, but it is. in the light of day, I wrote it down, and it seemed like a kind of cute story with a good message
0: so. and it stuck it stuck. How long did it take you catherine to to write your story, your initial outline?
4: I would say not long, maybe four or five hours
0: that's amazing. Your storyline came to you, and as you wrote this, was your target audience simply the younger children, or does it uh, go to a little older child?
4: Um, You know, my target audience was my grandchildren, who at the time, the oldest was 10. Um, And what, what was interesting, and I thought it might be a little too juvenile for her, but what has been interesting as the book has been introduced is how I think the age is anywhere... Little kids, my one-year-old granddaughter, if they let her pick a book, that's the one she picks. I think it's probably because of the bright colors and the illustrations. But all the way up to, like, 12 and 13 seem to really enjoy it and actually get the message of the book the older they are.
0: Catherine, have you always desired to be an author, or is this something that just hits you at the uh, appropriate moment?
4: Um, I have not always desired to be an author, per se, but I have for a long time, wanted to write a children's book. Um, And so I guess that's kind of been in the back of my mind for a long time.
0: The process is mysterious to a lot of people. This one didn't take long to get the basics down. How about the illustrations? Was that a complicated process for you?
4: Yes, that was a complicated process. It took over a year. Um, They were all hand-done by uh, actually a childhood friend of, of mine, well, She's older than me. She was my aunt's best friend, uh, but has known me since I was a child. And it took her, um, I would say, almost a full year to do the illustrations, because she was very pr- precise in trying to capture the personality of the kids, and um, of course, drawing them as raisins and pretzels presented its own, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. And then it, what was interesting to me was the writing of the story, um, you know, it the basic storyline four or five hours, but over the course of the next year, as you lay out a book, especially a children's book, where illustrations are so important, as you lay it out on the page, it's amazing how the content has to be tweaked, and how it, you're like, oh, that doesn't make sense when you put it with a picture, you know, Mm. so I would say the process then took a year.
0: (laughs) A year, and beautifully done, the illustrations are very uh, charming if If you were to describe your book and the storyline how would you uh, how would you describe this for my listeners? What is the story about?
4: The story is about i think at the core blended families about uh, or maybe just inclusion It's you know when I was a kid, clubs were a big deal. We were always forming clubs, and so this is the story of two cousins who form a club and they're both chocolate covered raisins and as the other cousins appear in the story they want to invite them to join but they're different like they're not chocolate covered raisins they might be yogurt covered pretzels and it's like oh my god can we let them in this club when they're not exactly like us and so the moral is how uh they work through this and eventually let all the cousins join and have to keep changing the name of the club to make it uh accurate Mm -hmm. and in the end realize that it's not what the the club isn't about everything that makes them the same. What makes it perfect is the things that make, that are different about each of them, and they embrace that. So I think it's a good story. There are so many blended families nowadays and just inclusion in general, but it's kind of a subtle message. And I think also portraying the children as raisins and pretzels, some chocolate covered, some yogurt covered, instead of the typical it doesn't matter what color your skin is, or it doesn't matter, you know, if you're tall or short or whatever, taking that out of it and making it a food item uh, has seemed to really capture kids' imagination. They think that's really funny. So they're getting the same message, but just in a kind of a more subtle way. But it's amazing once they get past about second grade, they get the message of the book. Um, Before that, I think they just think it's funny that they're braising some pretzels and that it has bright pictures,
0: you know. Did you have a background in, uh, I guess, career choices that prepared you to be an author?
4: Uh, Not really. I was a a nurse um, for 35. Well, I'm still a nurse, actually, Um, but I have uh, five kids and eight grandkids, so I think that gives you, and from blended families, so I think that gives you a a unique perspective or or a, a qualification to to uh, how kids think and, and what might appeal to them.
0: I have an idea. I have listeners that would love to hear you, the author, read a little sec- segment of your book and introduce it to them. Uh, do you have the book handy, and can you do that for I, us?
4: I do. I'll be happy to. The Perfect Chocolate-Covered Raisin Cousins Club. Emma and Julia were chocolate-covered raisins. They were cousins, and they were friends. Emma said, let's have a perfect chocolate-covered raisin cousins club. Julia said, okay. Emma was known for being very wise and always kind. Julia was smart and fair and a natural-born leader. Together, they formed their perfect club. Soon, Lily came over. Lily was a beautiful yogurt-covered raisin. She was also Julia's little sister. Emma said, we must invite Lily to join our club. Julia said, I'm not sure that will work. Lily is yogurt covered. That is not like us. Our club name is the perfect chocolate covered Raisin Cousins Club.
0: (laughs) Beautifully, beautifully written. The underlying message comes through, at least for me as an adult, uh, very clearly. Was there anything else in your message that came to the surface after you finished it. and th- I didn't realize I had really intended to say that, but it's it's coming through as well.
4: Um, you know, I think for me, what I, I wanted my grandchildren, and they're the characters in the book, to realize is that family isn't about shared DNA. It's about shared experiences. It's about, you know, being with each other and being inclusive, and that's what makes a perfect club or a perfect family.
0: It so. certainly does. Beautifully said. Is there... Anything that was a complicated obstacle that you had to overcome to get this into print?
4: Uh, yes, actually, publication. Um, and I, I made a, a very rookie mistake in that I did not realize that the the shape I wanted the book to be, which was, not eight and a half by eleven, but eleven by eight and a half was a huge obstacle. Wow. Um, and had I known this at the outset I could have probably designed it another way, but it turned out to be the biggest obstacle and probably delayed the book by a good six months in trying to research what we could do about this because it was too late to change the artwork which had already taken a year. So that was probably the biggest obstacle.
0: Catherine, you mentioned your love of writing, especially children's books. What's on the horizon?
4: Well, the next one is uh, the same group, but uh, addressing something. I, I guess I get my ideas from my grandchildren. And the, there's a big confusion amongst my grandchildren as to why different grandchildren call um, my, their grandfather and me different names. Some of them call my husband Opa, and some call him Grandpa. Hmm. And that is really um, interesting how that confuses and kind of upsets them. They're like, he's not Opa, he's Grandpa. (laughs) So I am working on a book that will address that whole phenomenon of what we call our grandparents.
0: Incredible. The title of your book, The Perfect Raisin and Pretzel Cousins Club, is a unique title. Where can my (laughs) listeners get a copy of this?
4: Uh, they can go to the Ex Libris um, website, or they can go to um, my uh, website as well, which is um, com and that's Catherine with a C, or Ex Libris.com. And the unique title makes it easy to search.
0: <laughs> I would think so, and they can also do a search online under your name, Catherine, spelled with a C. Yeah. Uh, Also
4: Facebook. And and on
0: Facebook. Facebook
4: That has links to how to order.
0: Wonderful. Catherine sistrink Tobin. am I pronouncing your second name correctly?
4: Yes, you are. Thank you
0: so much for joining me today and sharing your story. This should be a great read for parents, grandparents, children, and an exciting story about those who might be different from us but are maybe part of our blended family. Yes,
4: it's also been very well received in uh, schools. I have a lot of teachers who have told me that it's a great teaching book Um, both from just simple things like a bubble where a child is thinking something. That's apparently a teaching moment, and they can say, what does that bubble over their head mean? And So it's being used in quite a few elementary schools right now.
0: Congratulations on the completion of this, your first book, and look forward to talking to you in the future on the next adventures of the Perfect Raisin and Pretzel Cousins Club, or whatever name you give it. (laughs) I enjoyed talking with you, and uh, this is a great inspirational and uh, imaginative read thank you for sharing your story with me today. Thank you. For Ex Libris On Air, this is Jay Douglas Barker. Join Steve Jorgensen next week at the same time as he explores the passion and the inspiration behind the works of today's authors, right here on Ex Libris On Air.